women, passion, success. Welcome to the all-new Francisca Show podcast on the Jewish Coffee House Network. Who am I? I'm Francisca, singer, composer, music producer, and now success coach for podcasters. I took a podcast, grew an audience, and monetized it. With over 60 original songs, 20 music videos, and over 100 podcast episodes, I present to you K Productions LLC, a white glove podcast production agency that helps entrepreneurs just like you create great content, attract their ideal clients, and make more money by using the power of podcasts. On this show, you'll be hearing from successful female entrepreneurs about their journey. Go ahead and subscribe, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am so excited to be sitting here with Jessica Chinyalu. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited as well because number one, Jessica is an expert for brand ambassadors and locking in these sponsorships to help organizations as well as podcasters monetize what they're doing or find and create funds for the incredible things that people, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have something that you want funding for. So I'm really excited to get started. Also, Jessica is the founder of Women of Purpose Network, and I'm going to want to hear all about that work as well. So let's get started. Jessica, tell us a little bit about how you got started. Where are you from? How did you get into this work? I got started as a club promoter. Through club promoting, ended up turning into people reaching out to me to help plan their tours and finding sponsors for them. Um, Eventually, I kind of got tired of the club scene, so I decided to move into wedding planning. I absolutely hated wedding planning. I then moved into corporate meeting planning, and that's where I really began to learn how to work with sponsors and meeting planners and multi-million dollar budgets for events. I learned so much that I decided that, you know, I can take all of this knowledge that I've learned over the last few years as the wedding planner, the club promoter, and now, you know, meeting manager, I can use this knowledge to create my own events. And that's when I got into hosting the Woman of Purpose conferences through my nonprofit, the Woman of Purpose Network, and people absolutely loved it. When I first hosted my uh, very first conference, I did use student loan money and money, personal money out of my bank account. In fact, I hit probably like below zero in my account. And there was one woman who attended and said, oh my God, who were your sponsors? This was so well executed. And I was like, well, I didn't really have any paid sponsors this time around. Um, she took me in, mentored me and taught me everything she knows. And so All of her knowledge, plus what I had learned in my years of experience with hosting events and all that good stuff, um, I was able to continue to host my conferences, but then got them 100% sponsored and secured over six figures and paid sponsorships. Um, So that was super exciting to be able to do that. After uh, some time, I decided to pause from hosting my conference and people just continued to reach out to me like, hey, you don't have to host your conference, but we need to know how you did this. How'd you get it funded? And so I just started charging people and consulting them on how to land four, five, six-figure brand partnerships. And it's been going well ever since now. I have been able to raise over half a million dollars 
for my clients and my students who go through my course and or I, I'm doing it for them. So it's been amazing. It's been wonderful. That's how I got started. Okay, so number one, congratulations. Number two, everyone listening, I would like for you to notice how the story here starts with, I tried club promoting, and then I didn't like that or it didn't work out. Then I went into wedding planning. Listen to how many times there is that success, failure, or trying something new, going out of your comfort zone, that not working out and moving on to the next thing, not failing, not giving up. And just to notice if if you're listening and you just hear the end where it's like, oh, now I can successfully close or create partnerships that are six, seven figures. Great. If you didn't, if you skip that first part, you're putting yourself into this little hamster wheel of I'm never going to be like that. I could never do that. So I just want to acknowledge the fact that sometimes we forget that you need to have that that step <laughs> or many steps and many failures until you find that right thing. So there's that. And now I'm just super curious, what are you teaching in this course? And well, before the course, how did you figure out how to get sponsors to cover the cost of your events? Because I'm coming from the music industry where if I think of just planning a concert for myself to go on tour, I'm going to be spilling money into the toilet and I might not see it back. Mm -hmm. So, and I know many people have done this more successfully now that it's virtual, but take it back to when it was in person and how do you do this successfully? For everyone who's listening, if you're an artist or if you're a podcaster, I want to give you, I love, I love giving real life examples. And so for a long time, I actually managed an artist and when I managed him, I worked with Jonathan, his name is Jonathan Trailer. I worked with him for about, gosh, almost 10 years. And in 20, I want to say 2018, yeah, 2018, 2019, um, around that time, he was wanting to plan a tour. And he told me the specific brands that he wanted to reach out to. And what I did is I took some time to do research on these brands that he wanted to partner with him on this tour. And in that research, I developed like this custom proposal. Everything that I do is custom. And if there's anything that you take away from this, if you're going to reach out to a brand or a company for sponsorship, don't try and create these gold, silver, bronze packages. You really want to ensure that it's custom to the brand. You've really taken the time to understand what their mission is and how you two can make impact together. And that's what I did for Jonathan and this brand that we reached out to for partnership. And they loved our proposal so much that they were like, hey, we want you to come out to Nashville and um, we're going to sit down together and discuss this even further. Um, there was no monetary ask. We told them, like, we just want to partner. Um, but with that, it was enough for them to say, please come to Nashville so we can meet. We met. And the first thing they said with this, this presentation was so well done, which is why we wanted to connect. Um, we made a $200,000 ask and they did not say no. So, um, you know, the first thing that I would say and how you really get sponsored is take a custom approach to every brand that you're reaching out to. The second thing that I would say is ensure that you do your research, do your homework and make sure that you know everything that there is to know about that brand, meaning what other artists have they worked with or what other brand can brand campaigns have they done in the, in the past that have been successful and even those that were unsuccessful. Um, a lot of times whenever people send out pitch decks to brands, 
they're trying to get their, the first thought in their mindset is I need to get paid. I need to collect this check. The mindset that you should have when you first reach out to a brand is let me get to know them and listen and learn from them. Because if you listen, if you take that first meeting to listen and learn from them, they're going to tell you everything that they want. And you're now going to be able to develop a custom proposal based on your discovery call from that very first meeting. Other people do the reverse. They send a pitch deck where it's everything about you as the artist. And many times that just doesn't work because you have to be able to show a brand how, again, you two are going to make impact together and how they're really going to be able to see an ROI for the partnership. And if you can't communicate that and show that in your pitch deck, then it's going to be, you're going to be in a lose-lose situation. Yeah. ROI for anyone listening is return on investment. So give me some details to that story. You have an artist and what's their goal and what kind of brand was that? Yeah. So for the artist, uh, his goal was to land a uh, partnership with a brand to sponsor his eight city tour with the brand that we connected with. As I did research for that brand or on that brand, they use artists to raise funds for children who are in poverty overseas. So they have multiple different uh, stations in different parts of the world. And these artists like Hillsong or Jonathan McReynolds, gosh, they've worked with so many big names. But those artists, when they do their concerts, they will give like a song presentation or if you're a spoken, they work with spoken word artists, poets, they will give a presentation on, hey, I have partnered with Compassion International and because I've partnered with them, I want you guys to see something on the screen. There are children who are going through this and they look for a certain number of people or a certain number of children to get sponsored at that concert or at the event that you're hosting. And so uh, we had a goal. We were able to say, if we do an eight city tour, we're expecting this number of people. And we believe with this number of people hitting each city, we are going to be able to get this number of children sponsored. So we gave all the numbers. We set goals, realistic goals and expectations. And this is what we think we can hit. And I believe the brand was so willing to work with us because we had really good insight and again, did our homework to understand how their partnership process works. So they didn't even have to communicate to us. So um, the way what we agreed upon is we're not because this is a new relationship. We're not going to give you all 200,000 upfront. What we would like to do is start off with a certain number. And that contract is going to be for three months. We did well in the first three months. And they said, all right, we're going to do more money. Let's make this a six-month contract. And then it just got bigger and bigger after that. Um, So that's really how the process went and what the brand was looking for. But every brand is different. What was an ROI for that nonprofit organization would be very different for the next uh, organization that you work with. Again, that's why it's very important for you to do your homework and your research and just simply ask. The brand, when you get on a discovery call with them, what is what is a successful partnership look like for you or for your brand? And the cost that you and your client were able to raise covered the tour and more? Yes, we were able to get everything covered for the tour and more. And it was great. It went very, very well. And very excited just to see what we were able to gain from that. It was a really good experience. Okay, so I'm going to go a little off course here. And I want to figure out what your 
opinion is on the ethics around all of this. Because in the Jewish Orthodox music scene, what I've experienced and what definitely is happening, organizations love to partner with artists, have them perform for free to raise money for amazing causes. I am so into the causes. And when people come to me, I'll say, I'll send a check. but It's X amount for me to come perform for you or to do a virtual event. But I know from other artists in the industry, this is how it works. And it kills me to see artists who've invested tons of money into their art form for them to be used to raise money without getting paid for it. Meaning I love the idea. And it's great somehow the way the delivery is happening or the pitch is happening and not everyone's getting paid or paid properly. And then I'm hearing you talk and I'm sure your client and you got paid and you probably got paid to make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. We're, maybe it sounds like, oh, when people are donating to certain causes, the money is not going to them. They're going to all these different side expenses like the artists, like the fundraisers. And then how much of it is okay to pay artists? Like maybe it has to be a minimum thing. But then for artists to keep doing it, they need to get paid well so they can actually live their life and continue investing into their art. So take me through your thought process here. Yeah. So, you know, I I can't, I, I don't know much about, you know, the Jewish Orthodox community as far as how, you know, how they view artists and also the respect around it. But I think it's all across the board. Um, especially when it comes to the Christian community, it is very difficult for Christian artists to really begin to demand their worth. Um, we get, we still get it. He's been a sign artist for about three years now. And in being a sign artist, we still get requests that come into his inbox for events that, you know, full band of 1000 US dollars. And that's insane because a 10 piece band Uh, plus dancers, four background dancers. So that's 14 people. And you want them to fly out to your state to come and perform, or even if it's local, um, how are are people supposed to feed their families off of $1,000? Like that, is that supposed to be split amongst 14 people? Um, It's insane. And so we're just kind of at the point now where you have to say no. Um, And also on my, a lot of my calls with um, people when they send those requests, I break it down for them. Like, just like I broke it down to you, you've got 14 people. You've, um, even if this is a charity event, guess what? These, these guys and these women, they have to feed their families. This is their livelihood. This is their work. So if you have a service, um, would you like for them, would you like to me to ask you to do this for free um, at no cost? I mean- Well, me, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. So I just- you have to be able to like find your find your find your audience of people that are willing to pay you for your services and value your services. And trust me, there are people out there. He's done very well, um, but there's also a certain group of people that still don't understand that. Okay, he's more than just some singer that will sing at a church or sing these Christian songs. And just because he's a Christian, he should do everything for free. Um, There's still, there's still a group of people that don't understand that. And will still ask for a $500 performance for a whole entire full piece band. And they want that to be like an hour performance. And we've actually had to tell him, you can no longer do this. Like you, you're worth more 
This is your livelihood. This is what you do. This is how you put food on the table. You cannot continue to do these type of events. And now we don't, we no longer do. And as a matter of fact, sometimes we just ignore those emails when they come through. It's not worth our time. Is there any place for that or you completely cut it off? I think that every artist and every individual should have a certain number of pro bono events that they do. And once you've reached that cap, you're done. So if you know, I am willing to do five shows at no cost every year and you and your team can decide those five shows or those three shows, however many it is that you want to do, that's up to you. But have always have a cap. Otherwise, you'll find yourself doing so many charitable events um, and you're, you'll get fed up. You'll get tired. And you're doing all these free things that require a lot of your time, a lot of your effort. And you will not be able to be you won't be able to give your full best, your absolute best right. to those things that are paid opportunities. Like design them into your process and have them in there, and then you get to decide who's in that. And then that's it, you're done. Love that. Yes. What about, I'm curious, since you did the event planning and then this managing, what does it cost to go fly out with a 15-piece band or group and put on the show, pay everyone who needs to be paid? What does it cost? It varies. Um, But typically what we see, and I'm going to break it down, how we get to these numbers. So if it's a 14-piece band, we normally require at least two first-class tickets for the lead singer and his manager. Um, Sometimes we'll have a first-class ticket for his spouse. We'll have business class or just regular airfare for the remaining band members. And then also we do require lodging, first class tickets, then you've got your airfare for the remainder of the band, lodging. So we do require in our agreements, we state that the hotels have to be three star or above hotels. Um, And we require seven hotel rooms for the band and then two suites for manager and artist. So you've got a total of nine hotel rooms. We usually have band members um, sharing rooms. So there's two to a room. Um, We also do require a pair diem. So if however many days that we're going to be in the city, if they're there for the weekend, Friday through Sunday, then you're going to have to provide $75 per day to each person in the band. We also do require ground transportation. So with ground transportation, it means that there's airport transfers. So we'll probably need to have a bus, a van for the band members. And if we're bringing any instruments because you can't provide something that's in the technical rider, we will ask you to get an additional vehicle for all of the instruments. I would say... Our rate, our packages, depending on if the person wants a um, Jonathan to come out by himself, a small band or the full band or an acoustic band, our prices range from 5000 anywhere from 5000 US dollars to 15000 US dollars for the full band. And that price will increase as he becomes a more seasoned artist. And then that is excluding the airfare, the lodging and the per diem. So as you can see, that can easily get up to close to about easily. Right. Yeah. And then when you secure a sponsorship with a brand, how much is that? A hundred grand? It really just depends on what the ask is. So, you know, for the tour, we, we had multiple things inside of that proposal for an eight city tour, which is why we were making a 200K ask. 
Um, and we were also asking that they provide transportation outside of that 200K. So for them to get to city to city. Um, for if you're someone who's just hosting a one-time event, a 200K ask is a bit unreasonable. That's that's quite a bit. And so you don't want to go to a brand asking for a bunch of money that you don't need. Like ask for what you need that's going to co- you know cover exactly you know what you want to take care of for that event to host. Totally. Okay, so moving on now to the podcasting. I'm putting on my podcaster hat now. How does it work for podcasters? And for me personally, I right now sell my offers, so I'm not using affiliate as my primary focus of monetizing my podcast or sponsorships, which is a very common perception of how podcasters monetize their podcasts. And for podcasters who do have very large audiences, like in the tens of thousands, sponsorships do make a lot of sense. And feel free to reach out to me if you want me to go deeper into this. But you are an expert at finding or securing these brand sponsorships for podcasts. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So if you're a podcaster specifically and you're looking to secure deals with brands, I always tell people it's not really so much about your audience size because people get caught up and, oh, I don't really have a large Instagram following. I don't have this. I don't have that. Again, going back to what I said earlier, focus on the transformation and the impact that's being made. And also, I have a lot of podcasters who take my course. And one thing that I always hear them say is, or when they show me their pitches, when they tried to pitch to a brand in the past, is they're only selling ad space. And I'm like, no, (laughs) there's so much more that you could offer a brand that really sets you apart for these partnerships. And I'm like, first off, what you could do is do a series. You could offer a series with the brand. So I'll give you a real life example. Um, I had two clients that both have podcasts. One of them, American Express reached out to her. Um, and I told her, I said, you know, you could totally increase the value of this partnership if you included your podcast. And I said, offer a series Tell them that you're going to invite someone from their company or multiple people within the company to be a guest on your podcast for this series. And everything is going to be around this, uh, have topics, but it all falls back into this new card that they're trying to promote and advertise. The brand loved it. And she ended up getting close to hitting close to six figures um, for this deal just as a as a podcaster. And also they added like social media components to it. They added a blog post to it. She recorded the series and had it living on her YouTube channel, which was very fresh and new, but the brand loved it. And so again, going back to what I was saying about giving packaged offers to where it's like, oh, this is simply irresistible. We have to take it on. Um, Brands love it whenever you invite them to not only just have a commercial slot on your podcast, but when you actually invite them to have an organic conversation about their product on your podcast. So don't get away from just, you know, those intro uh, slots or the outro slots or like in the middle commercial inserts. Um, Get away from that. I think those are cool. Those are some add-ons, but think about like some long-term partnership things that you could do again to have organic conversations surrounded around the brand. Love it. Talk to me about Women of Purpose Network. What made you start it and what's behind it? Yeah, so I started the Woman of Purpose Network. I got like this really big vision um, after I decided to leave the club scene. And in that vision, I just saw me on this stage um, 
speaking before so many people and it was a lot of women. And I was like, wow, like, am I going to do something like this? And so a few years later, um, I was hosting an event with one of my good friends and all of these women just started asking me to host like women's empowerment chats. And so I started hosting those at my mother's house. I outgrew my mom's house. And then someone said, oh my God, what if this turns into a conference? And that light bulb moment went off for me that, wow, oh my gosh, this is the vision that I had whenever I left the club scene. Like, is it time to go ahead and start doing it? I put it together. My first conference, um, I was expecting 50 people and we sold over 500 tickets um, for that very first conference. Like we sold out every year, um, but it was very impactful. And my passion, one of my biggest passions is to empower women to pursue their dreams um, they're God-given dreams. Um, I believe every single woman who walks this earth has been created and designed with a purpose and gifts and talents. And a lot of women are sometimes afraid to pursue those gifts and talents. And we don't realize fully like what we carry. Um, and so I try to do my best to bring that out of women and help them to see um, beyond the, but the, beyond the natural eye, what they carry and how to get that out. Um, and it's, it, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I did take a pause from hosting the conference and just a pause from Women of Purpose as a whole. I got married and I became a mom and I really wanted to Congratulations. thank you. Um, <laughs> I heard your baby in the background. I'm not sure if that's your baby, but I, Hey, we, us moms, we are super women. We really are because, we do so much. We give so much. Like we have so much responsibility. We're business. We're boss moms. We're corporate moms. We are wives and there's responsibility. We cook, we clean, we change diapers, we give our kids baths and then we leave. So we still have to make time for ourselves and the other people that we serve, friends, family members and our clients. And it's not always easy, but somehow we still do it. And we still rise and run on top. Like who really rules the world? Girls. We really do. <laughs> I strongly believe that. Wow. Okay. So back to your program, do you teach others how to do it? Or do you also have a service where you help your clients book these sponsorship. Yeah. So um, I have three different ways in which people can work with me. The best way to work with me is through my eight-week program, Sponsored and Secured. It is an eight-week program where I teach you everything you need to know on how to land corporate sponsorships. Um, and through that program, there's weekly coaching. So you've got me for eight to nine weeks and I give my all. I bring in different brands to come in and share with you and give you advice on how to properly pitch, the to-dos and not to-dos of pitching. So that's one way. The other way in which I work with people is let's say you have a team, maybe you have volunteers, a VA. I will train your team how to do exactly what I do and I'll give you the strategy and it's up to you and your team to implement. And the third way in which brands um, I work with um, individuals or entrepreneurs is where it's like a done for you service. Me and my team will do everything for you. Um, I only offer six to 10 slots of those per year. And like right now, I, I told people I, I can't open up slots until um, the spring. And all of my clients who I had in the past, they all renewed contracts. And so I can't even take on any new slots until maybe the fall. 
Um, that's why I just direct people to my course. Um, but I, I give a lot of time to the people who take my course. But if you're interested in being a part of that, you can always just go to the sponsorshiplady.com forward slash course, um, or just visit my website, uh, the sponsorshiplady.com and you can find everything there. Thank you. Okay. So my signature question, if there is a five minute ritual you do every day, or you would recommend people doing every day, what would it be? I would say there's a few for me that help me stay on track. The first thing is I would say, give yourself quiet time every day. When I get up in the morning, I try to get up at five o'clock a.m. every morning. And that gives me at least two hours to myself because my son, he get we he gets up at seven to start getting dressed for school. So I'll spend probably about 20 to 30 minutes just having like reflection time, meditation time, maybe writing in my journal or just kind of thinking about like, goodness, how do I produce good fruit throughout the day? The second thing that I would recommend is Every day, if you can, it's so hard to do, but if you can go to bed without your phone at night, um, so have a cutoff time, like at 8.30, I'm winding down, and after nine o'clock, I am not touching my phone. I think a lot of times when we have our phones, our phones can be, it can be a hindrance, and sometimes it can be a blessing. Um, I feel like, though, before you go to bed at night, if you're scrolling and you're seeing something that just kind of makes you maybe it's someone that you're comparing yourself to, you go to bed with that energy and you want to go to bed with peaceful thoughts and good thoughts, happy thoughts. So that way you can rest and rest well and wake up refreshed. And so I think sometimes knowing just when to unplug and you should unplug on a daily basis, not just when you get to that point where you're like exploding with all this negative energy, because some I will, I think our phones sometimes can bring a lot of negative energy. And then the third thing that I would say is really focus on being present, how to be present in every moment. Um, it's something that I've had to learn over time because I get so engulfed in my work and really busy. I love what I do, but you cannot allow your business, your brand to be like, get the most of you. You can't allow it to take over like every aspect in every area of your life because you'll wake up one day and find that man business was the only thing that I did. And I didn't get to really go out and travel and have these wonderful and amazing experiences with my family and my loved ones and my close friends. There's more things to life than just money and business take time to really enjoy and be present with your family, have experiences with your family. So that's what I would say. Um, those are three things. I have other things that I would say too. Um, okay. Let me add a fourth. I'll add a fourth. The fourth thing that I would say is to spend a lot of time, like writing in your journal and doing self-reflection, which is what I said in the morning, but yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica, for coming onto the show. I really, really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I hope anyone here who is thinking about it definitely go to Jessica's website. We link it in the show notes and figure out what works best for you so you can take, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure our audience here knows that family and traditional values because we are so into that and faith is such an important part. Money and business may be a new venture in some of our minds, for me, ish, new-ish, whatever. 
But thank you for bringing it and tying it all back together. It's uh, very comforting to hear entrepreneurs who have found their success in business to say that, you know, bringing it back to family and old-fashioned values, that that's where the real meaningful or meaning in life is found. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. Make sure to check out the links. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Friend, thank you so much for listening until the end. And if you enjoyed, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get a notification the next time an episode is out. Have you been thinking of launching a podcast? Great. Let me help you launch and produce your show and take the headache away. Just click on the link in the show notes and make sure to tune in next time. See ya.